Welcome to the Volleyball Growth Coach Podcast. My name is Christopher Knowles, and today we're doing another Q&A style episode, but it's going to be a little bit different. I pulled the questions today from TikTok comments. So on the Volleyball Growth Coach TikTok account, if you aren't following us on TikTok, then I would definitely advise you go follow over there because so many people are creating such great conversations in the comments section. But I've seen so many questions in there, and I decided to just pull 10 questions from the TikTok comment session section and get more in depth and detail on those questions. So as we usually do, first things first, if you have a teammate or a friend that you think can really benefit from a show like this or from something that talks about volleyball at a high level, then definitely share the show with them and we'll get straight into it. So the first question is, how would you recommend to work on volleyball basics? So I'm just assuming that volleyball basics means like just the basic passing and like trying to hit over the net and blocking and things like that. So I think the biggest thing when it comes to volleyball basics is people really get bored with it way too soon. And so how to keep it a little bit fresh, but also make sure that you're actually developing the right habits when you're working on the basics is by being intentional. And what I kind of mean by that is like having an intention or something that you're aiming for with every single session and with every single rep. And when we do that and we have an intention of like with blocking, like, oh, I want to work on turning my hands back into the court every single time, right? Now that we have like a small goal that we've set for ourselves, then we have something that we can actually achieve with every single rep that we do. And that intention also aims gives us a target to aim at in order to get better at that skill right because most of the time when people are going through the basics it's that common phrase of like going through the motions of they're just doing it over and over but then they don't realize that they're building bad habits so what we really want to do when we're working on the volleyball basics is focusing on getting the good habits and how we make sure we're doing that every single time is by having an intention and coming in with a goal in mind and a small target to hit over and over and over with each rep so that you're one working on something that you know you can get better at right maybe it's a part of a skill that needs to be improved but then it's also making sure that you're getting disciplined focused reps in every single time you block or hit or pass or serve whatever it might be right so just having those small goals and those little targets to hit every single time you work those reps out will slowly compound over time to where it just becomes natural and you've naturally leveled up your game because of that so I would recommend every time you're working on the volleyball basics, don't get sucked into just doing it over and over and building bad habits. Make sure you're building good habits by having an intention that you set forth beforehand every single time you go into a session or practice or every time you do a rep. So that's my biggest thing. Why should you jump set? And when is it appropriate to start using skill level wise? So I think... Most people probably start jump setting way too early just because that's what they see college players doing. But I would say age level probably around sophomore to senior year-ish, depending on your skill level, because this is a very broad question that it's like if someone's just stellar at setting and they have natural talent for it, I'm not going to tell them to start jump setting when they're a senior, you know, so it's also based off skill level. So... I would say sophomore to senior year-ish would be the great time to start jump setting and getting used to that. And I think when it's appropriate should be based off how you set standing on the ground, right? So 
obviously, like if we're on the run and we're sprinting to go get a ball, probably not the best idea to try and jump set and make some Superman play, right? Or Superwoman play. So I think when you start hitting that level where like standing setting just standing and setting is on point and it's like pretty consistent every single time and it's going where you want it to and you have full control of the strength you put on the ball and the location of where you put the ball i think that's when you can start adding that next higher level attribute to setting which is jump setting but i think definitely if you're really great at setting right when you don't have to move but if you have to take a little shuffle step and your whole setting falls apart, then I would say that is a more important thing to work on than jump setting, right? Because I think with the cadence of just adding a higher level skill in general, and I think this is a great example of jump setting with setters, it's like, yes, most people can set a really great ball when they don't have to move an inch, right? So then they're like, oh, well, I can start jump setting. But there's a part of their game where if they have to maybe take a shovel step back, then their whole setting is off, right? So that's what we want to work on first before we move into jump setting, right? So that's the cadence of like, okay, well, can you set every ball pretty much perfect just standing in the same spot? Okay, great. Next thing, can you set every ball pretty much great and consistent on the move, right? Not super fast, but you have to shuffle over and it's still an accurate set. Okay, great. Then I think at that point you can add jump setting, right? So making sure you're getting the cadence down. But I think once you're a pretty, not elite level, but pretty high level setter already while you're standing on the ground, right? And it, the location and the strength, like I said earlier, is still on point, whether you're shuffling off the net, shuffling backwards or have to run forward or standing in the same spot. If you can set really well from all of those locations and on the move, then I would definitely look into jump setting and adding that higher level ability on top of the skills you've already developed. Question number three, do you have any tips on digging? So since you said digging, I'm assuming that it means like defense, like digging a swing. So my two biggest things that I think really help me especially as an opposite, so naturally not being great at passing from the jump, right? I had to start working on it like my junior year of high school and mainly my senior year of high school. And I think the two biggest things that really changed the game for me and changed my abilities was remembering to get low, but more importantly, stay low, but then also finding the gap as a defender. And so most of the time for me, I'm 6'7", I'm a pretty tall guy, and I would always get low, ready on defense, ready to move. But then by the time the ball got to me, I was practically standing up and I never understood why it was happening. And I realized that my legs were not strong enough to be able to like sit in a squat for a long enough period of time that I would get low, but I wouldn't be staying low. And so I think that's the biggest thing is people are like, oh, well, I get low. Well, yeah, they get low and then they stand right back up and then they wonder why they shanked it, right? I was in that exact same position. I was that guy. So... I think like girls and guys, it's the exact same thing of making sure that when you're moving on defense or when you're on defense at all, just getting low, but also staying low and making sure you're staying low, no matter if it burns or you're tired, just developing that good habit of getting low is the easy part, easy part, but staying low is the harder part, but the more rewarding part because you'll be ready for really anything that comes your way when you're more athletically low and staying low and ready so making sure you're getting low and staying low and then that way you have a little bit more time to react to the ball but then also 
finding the gap. And what I mean by that is a lot of high school players keep a lot of open court for hitters to hit because they don't realize the power of like where they're lining up, right? So the way I was taught it and the way I think about it is you should be able to see not only maybe the entire hitter depending on how the good how good the block is but you want to be able to see the shoulder and the ball and the hitting arm of the player right so if you're let's say for my example since I'm an opposite right so if the if the opposite on their side was hitting so on the right side so cross court for me I always wanted to get to a position to where I could see the hitter's arm or their body right or just any part like you don't want to not be able to see the hitter at all, right? That means you're in the wrong spot. But if you're able to see the ball and the hand and the arm and their shoulder, that's where you want to be. If you can see their entire body, then your blocker's probably in the wrong space, but that's still where you want to be. So when you find that gap in that opening, then that allows you to read the hitter a lot better, right? Because if you can't see the hitter at all, then you have no idea what they're trying to sh- like, wh- where they're approaching, where their shot is probably going to be, where they're actually facing, where they're probably going to hit. And so you're doing a lot of guesswork in defense, right? So what we want to do is be able to see as much of the hitters as we possibly can so that we can read like where they're, where are they facing when they're approaching? Where's most of their momentum going? Where is their arm facing or where are they looking where they want to hit, right? There's a lot more telltale signs that we pick up consciously and subconsciously when we can see more of the hitter so as we're getting low and we're staying low finding that hole to protect and finding the gap is going to help you a lot more on defense because you can like i said see where they're hitting and all that but then it also like if you can see the full hitter and see their arm then that means that there's a gap right whether it's in the block or they're inside or there's a gap on the line right that means if you're in the gap then you're in the most open spot which means that you're in the most likely spot that that ball is going to get hit right so then if you're already in the gap let's say there's a gap in the block there's a seam if you're already there and you can see the full hitter through that seam then when they hit down the seam you'll be there already and just make the pass right in front of you right where people get caught is they aren't in the gap they don't find the opening and then they can't see the hitter and then like since they can't see them that means they're in the wrong spot and leaving that seam or that gap or that opening very open to hit and to score on right so that's my biggest thing is getting low and staying low but also finding the gap and then if you find the gap and you're in the right position you're already in the most the biggest spot that they're probably going to hit and then if they go off the hands right then you have enough time because since it goes off the hands you have enough time to react and go get that ball compared to needing to be in the spot to get the harder driven ball when you're digging it on defense so those are my two biggest tips is getting low making sure you're staying low but then also finding the gap and finding the seam and being able to see the hitter's arm and the ball and the shoulder or the entire hitter and their body and everything next question how to absorb power a powerful serve receive so i think this one's pretty simple and it's pretty short because like it's there's not many pieces to it but i would say it's it's again it's another two-parter of like it's kind of in the word absorb right when we absorb something if you just think about the word it's always like bringing something to you right like you are absorbing this it's it's 
coming to your direction, you're bringing it within, right? So if we think about it like that, then that means if we want to absorb the past, then after we make contact, we want to bring our arms closer to our body, right? That's just in the word absorb, right? And that's why that's the word that's used to talk about absorbing a serve, right? So what a lot of people do is they'll keep the same platform, they won't move it back or up. And since it was a hard serve, it'll bounce off really hard and maybe go too tight. And then most of the overpasses are when people get into the same habit of adding even more power to it, right? They're moving their arms forward when they're passing. And so that's going to add a lot more strength. And so we, when we don't want to do, do those two, we want to absorb it. That means we want to pass and bring our arms closer to us, like in the same motion of trying to make contact with the pass. So as we're absorbing the ball, we want to bring our arms closer to us so that we take off a lot of the power from that serve that's coming at us. So that's the biggest piece is don't keep your arms the same and don't move your arms any more forward to move them backwards in the motion of your pass. But then also something that helps a lot where you can have a lot more control is actually being behind the ball. So like we want in this scenario when we have a powerful serve, if you look at most college players when they're receiving a big jump serve, for example, like they're moving their entire body first and then everything else follows, right? They're moving their feet first and doing a side shuffle or whatever it might be. And so we want to get our body behind it because that's where we can control it the most, right? If it's super far out, like outside of our body, it's going to be a lot harder to like actually physically turn and get the right angle and absorb the ball, right? It's just a lot harder physically, right? So where we want to be before we absorb the ball, like I talked about a couple seconds ago, is having our whole body behind the ball so that we are in the most control of where we can place that ball and how we want that ball to come off our platform. So keeping your body behind the serve gives you the most control around the ball. So get behind it, but then also absorb, like we talked about, of being in the motion of moving your arms closer to your body as you're passing so you take a lot of the power off that serve how to track the ball faster like reaction time so i think there can be a lot of things where you're like oh all these little tips and tricks to see the ball at a at a better angle so you can find the ball and react better and and do all that stuff but i think reaction time isn't necessarily a thing that like you can give tips on. I can only really give advice, right? And the advice is to do drills that work on your reaction time, right? So something that I did in high school a lot that I think really helped a lot with reaction time, especially on defense, is like, I don't know what they're actually called, but like it's a ball and then there's little half like half balls placed around the main ball, right? And it kind of, it looks a little crazy. I'll try and like find a picture of it and like put it somewhere here on the screen. But it's essentially like this thing where you throw it and then you have no idea where it's gonna bounce. So sometimes it'll bounce straight at you, but sometimes you'll like, it'll be coming at me and then it'll bounce really weird and bounce sideways. I'm gonna go grab it, right? And that's teaching that reaction time to just wait ready and like snap and go get it, right? So I don't know the actual name of it. I'll have to look it up and like put it somewhere here. But it's a really great thing that you could probably get off Amazon for super cheap. And it's a great way to train your reaction time so that like it solves all the problems, right? Because we don't want to like, like if we wanted to cut down a tree, we wouldn't just start cutting branches. We'd cut it at the root, right? At the, at the base, right? So I think this is very much a base solution that it's like, 
you're having like players are having all these branch problems, these little tiny individual problems in different scenarios. But the main way we solve it is actually just by training our reaction time. So like definitely pick up one of those balls or just do find any other reaction drills. But the one that I did, I think that gave the best results for me was using that funky, crazy ball and just tr- having someone toss it at me and training to react and go get it because it always bounced so weird. So definitely reaction time isn't something that you can just snap and it's good in one game and just be good at every situation to react to every ball. It's definitely something that needs to be trained. And it's like a muscle that needs to be worked on. How to be faster to blocks as a middle. So I think I just some reason think in pairs of two for some reason, but I think there's two things that can really go for this. And I think one of them can really solve most of the problem. And I think with middles, what I see a lot of, and I think other coaches see a lot of too, is middles are guessing so much. And what we mean by guessing is like the setter has it in the hand. You're like, oh, I think it's going to the outside. And so you start leaning that way and you're about to make a big approach. And then they set the oppo and you're already going to the outside and you just get dusted, right? So it's like, it's, I think it's a matter of getting rid of the guessing game and just training yourself to react like we just talked about, but it's a little bit different. So instead of like guessing, right, you want to be able to read and react as a middle, right? So like, cause when you're guessing, you're like, it's in the word, you're literally trying to guess where they're setting, right? And so if we want to be more effective as a middle, then you can actually read and react to what's actually happening in front of you, right? So as a middle, you definitely want to be neutral in your stance unless like unless you have a game plan that there's like primary there's a primary hitter on the outside and you're supposed to be like 80 20 leading that way leaning that way then yeah like that's that's the strategy that you have for that game and that player in that situation that scenario but i think most of the time just staying neutral right like being able to be in a strong stance to where you can quickly go left or right or reacting quickly go up to block a one ball or a bick or whatever it might be that's where you want to be in like your pre-stance, like before the ball's even set, but then just like train your mind to stop guessing, right? Like I was doing the same thing if I was always trying to guess like, oh, it's going to the outside, it's going to the outside. And then half the time it did, half the time it didn't. And the other half of the time it didn't, I was getting dusted. So like I was actually getting beat. So that's my biggest thing is like, maybe you feel like in your mind, you're telling yourself, oh, you're not fast enough because that little half second that you're leaning the wrong way, that half second it takes to change direction, directions, it goes the uh, the other way to the oppo, let's say for the example, that feels like, oh, I'm slow. It's like, well, no, you just got to get rid of the guessing game and get that like full second or half second back and then you'll be good, right? So most of the time I would say it's not a matter of speed. It's a matter of just staying neutral and reading the setter and reading what is going on on the other side of the net. And then once you see where it's going, just don't even second guess, react and go, right? And commit to it. So I think that was something for me that I did a lot just as an opposite, which I think middles can do as well is like when you're starting to guess in your head of, oh, I think it's going this, just cut it out. Be like, no, I got to read and react. I got to read and react. Just see where the ball's going, react and go, commit to it. Don't even second guess about it. So definitely that is number one of like stop guessing and get those half seconds to full seconds back in your favor to where you can utilize that half second that you would have used guessing and leaning the wrong way to actually go the right way and maybe get a block or a block touch. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing 
is a little bit what I talked about, but just you can work more on like committing to it and not second guessing because some players will like hesitate and right. You just want every millisecond in volleyball counts because that's the difference between you pressing at the right time and pressing half a second too late. Right. But I think it's also something that can be trained, right? Like having a medicine ball and doing a, a, like doing a swing block, doing a shuffle block with a medicine ball in your hand and like dropping it over the net, right? So doing some weighted movements like Taylor Averill on the USA team has a bunch of amazing workouts for middles. You can check out his Instagram. He's got a bunch of great like blocking workouts. So I would say definitely doing some stuff with maybe like a med ball and like doing a shuffle step this way and then a swing block that way, all of the med ball and dropping the ball over or just doing movements with like weighted gloves, right? That can like, even the smallest weights can make a huge difference because like I said, every little half second matters. So get rid of the guessing game that you're probably doing as a middle and then work with small weights or med balls, whatever you want, actually work out the movements and actually physically become a lot faster but it's no point in becoming faster if you're still guessing, right? So get rid of the guessing game first. Make sure you're neutral and reading and reacting. And then just work to be faster. <laughs> How can I fix my spiking form and approach? So this is a very general thing, but I will give a general question. But I will give my answer that I've seen from most players who have sent in emails and are in the program and have come up with kind of the same... Um, problems and I think the biggest thing with I would say approach because if you don't have a good approach you won't have a good swing approach is making sure you're staying aggressive right a lot of times we've seen like as coaches in VGC that like most people are doing a very like kind of not lazy but not full-fledged approach every single time right so making sure that you work in the habit of approaching as hard as you can every single time you get the opportunity to swing and not taking one off or not fully transitioning off the net first so you get enough room to approach aggressively so my biggest thing is always remember that you're approaching as hard as you possibly can every single time but then also with your approach, making sure that there is an actual rhythm to it. We've seen that a lot of players, like either their approach is the whole approach is really slow or the whole approach is really fast. And then their timing is off, which they think is their spiking form is a problem, which might be happening here, but it's really just the timing because the approach was off, right? So everything, in my opinion, comes from the approach, right? So with the approach, there has to be a little bit of a rhythm to it. So it's supposed to be like, in a three-step, it's like, it's for me, it's right, left, right, right? Like it's, it or left, right, left, right? And that's how I've always been taught it because those first, that first step, or if you do a four-step approach, the first couple steps should be timing the ball and timing the set and seeing and locating where the ball is, right? Because if you're always going the same speed, you could overrun it, you could underrun it or whatever it might be. So, with the approach, making sure that the first step or the first two steps, if you do three or four, are timing steps of they're slow, they're, they're meant to give yourself time to locate, locate where the ball is, how far out is it, how far in is it, is it perfect, how, how low is it, how high is it, that determines how fast you have to do the rest of your approach. So making sure that there is a rhythm to your approach of left, right, left, or left, right, left, whatever it might be or right, left, right, <laughs> making sure there, there's a rhythm to it and then exploding as hard as you can on that step close so that you can get as high as you can and approach as 
finish that approach as strong as you can and get a good swing. So most of the time, it's not actually your spiking form or the contact that's the problem. It's the approach and the timing that leads up to that. So make sure you're approaching as hard as you can every single time and make sure you're drawing your arms back and swinging them far back actually behind you and not out to the side or not drawing them back at all. Making sure you're getting your arms back on when you're driving into that step close, making sure you're getting those first two steps in as timing and location steps so you actually see the set before you go into the rest of your approach and making sure you're timing the ball well. And then once you really solve ooh, once you really solve those two issues, then like it'll be so much easier to fix your contact point and where you actually hit the ball. Hey, what's up? What's the best way to get better at spike receive? So I would say this is essentially the same question as the last one of being better at digging. But I think to get better at spike receive specifically, I would definitely say there's a great couple drills that you can do, but it's essentially the same thing. So I'm gonna give like the general idea. The general idea is having a hitter on the floor on the same side as you hitting at you, right? Because I think most players either flinch or they're really like scared of a ball coming at them super hard when people are hitting like Mach 10 balls at them and they're, they feel like they're five feet away from them. And I've definitely been there. And I think the best way to get over that fear and the being scared of people hitting really hard at you is kind of throwing yourself in the deep end and putting that hitter or a coach on the same side net as you, right? So they're even closer and there's no block in front of you and nothing and you have to get the ball up, right? And so, because I've seen when I coached my high school team, I saw that like a lot of them would just naturally get scared because when, like when I was hitting at them on the same side of the net because they built that habit of being scared when someone's hitting at them with like full power, right? And they're really close. So I think to get over the fear of someone hitting at you from over the net on the other side of the net have someone on your side of the net with no block hitting at you because then when you go back to someone hitting on the other side of the net it just looks like nothing so i would say just get get over the fear of that a ball might hit you in the face or a ball might hit you too hard and just do drills like that where it incorporates the fear factor but also like still gets you digging reps and so i would say that and just making sure that you're always in the right position and staying low, like we said, but doing the right drills that are gonna actually push you to those limits of not only physically, but like also mentally, of like getting over that mental fear of receiving a super hard swing. I'm at an intermediate volleyball level and I've improved so much this year, but I feel like I've hit a plateau. Does anybody have any tips? So. I actually responded to this question in the comment section of this video, but TikTok has a um, character limit on comments, and I think this was super valuable, so I wanted to deep dive a little bit more into it. So when, I think any athlete, but for volleyball players especially, like when we hit a plateau, that means that you're not adding anything new to your game or adding any new levels to the abilities you already have, right? So what I kind of discussed with one of the players in my program a little bit recently, like a month ago, was we were talking about how like there's some points in your career when you're just like working for a couple months on mastering the same skill, right? Because you're not always going to have breakthroughs in your career every single day, right? It's probably going to come every month or every two months. 
So like when you have that breakthrough of learning, hey, this is the next thing that I need to do to get to that next level of the player I can be, that's having a breakthrough of like, oh my gosh, I found the next thing that I can do to get to that next level in this ability or in this game or whatever it might be, right? So then once you have that breakthrough, then it's just months of working on those skills that you have found can take you to the next level and just perfecting those. And like, that's what people talk about mastering the craft. That's the the phase of your career where you're working on those new skills and those new opportunities you have bestowed upon you to work on those things, right? And so, but that's the thing is, if you work on those things for too long, like, and you aren't looking and being open to learning what that next thing needs to be for you in order to get to that next level, then it's going to feel like you're plateauing, right? Because once, let's say you've had a, you had a breakthrough like a year ago, right? And you're like, oh, I need to start moving into jump serving because I've mastered jump float serving. And with passing, I got to do X, Y, and Z. And with blocking, I got to do this. And you have a massive breakthrough with all these different skills, right? So then you spent this year working on mastering those skills and making a part of your game, right? And then they've become natural and a part of your game. And now you're still doing the same things to work on the same skills that you've already mastered, right? That's when we feel like we've hit a plateau because you're already working on something that's a part of your game, right? It's like, it's like if LeBron James in volleyball, right? It's if, if LeBron James in basketball just went back to doing like high school level drills, right? It's like if he kept doing that for two years, he would definitely peak, right? And like plateau, right? Like if TJ DeFalco started doing the drills he was doing probably like first year of Long Beach State, right? For the next five years, he wouldn't be learning and growing. And if he's not growing, he's therefore like plateauing and getting worse, right? So I think that's the thing is when we're plateauing, we've done the same things for too long. So if you feel like you're plateauing and you feel like you're not growing at the rate that you were, then that means that it's time to start being open and learning and finding that next level thing that's going to get you that next step up and then mastering those skills and those abilities, right? So that's my biggest thing is if you feel like you haven't grown as much in the last month as you were the previous months or the previous year, then it's time to probably start asking a lot of questions and start being open and willing to learn and jumping in new environments and jumping around with and talking with new players, new coaches, whoever, to find that next level thing that you need to start working on in order to actually start growing your game again. Any tips for being scared of the ball during serve, receive, and spikes? I've always played setter on my team because we only have two setters, one being me. So <laughs> I, I kind of already touched on this when we talked about um, working on your spike receive and or like working on like defense basically. And so I think it's just that. It's like throwing, throw yourself in the deep end, throw yourself in the fire of like just getting over the fear by like making it worse essentially of like if you're scared of someone hitting on the other side of the net of you then put them on the same side of the net with no block and then train your mind to get over it right because it's like when I was at my second club so a genuine volleyball club in California like we were doing this drill I think because I was like 10 minutes late to a practice or something and because I was late we did a uh, like a punishment challenge where everyone would hit two balls 
and I would be in the middle of the court trying to dig every single ball, right? And so my coaches were like in their mid-20s in their prime. And one of my coaches, like 6'8", got up and just yahtzee a ball off my face. And like in the moment, obviously it hurt a little bit, but like it kind of faded pretty quickly, right? So I think I'm not telling you to go get like nailed in the face by a coach or by a volleyball. I'm just saying like it if you're scared of like most people are scared of getting hit in the face, right? That's the thing. Like people aren't scared of like it hitting their leg or their arm too hard. Most people are afraid of not being ready and getting railed in the face by a volleyball, right? That's the main fear, right? So you're not scared of the ball itself. You're scared of getting hit in the face, right? So and from someone who has been hit in the face really hard, it's not that bad, right? So it's like like, yes, I did it the hardest way to get over that fear of actually getting hit in the face. But I think it's just like, hey, get over it. Like, no one's going to break your nose, right? Like, even if you do, that's such a rare occurrence, right? But it's like, it's it, you'll get over it. It'll hurt. It'll be funny. You can move on. And then tomorrow, you'll probably forget that you actually got hit in the face, you know? So I think getting over the fear is just like a mental game of like working with yourself mentally of like, hey, it won't be that bad. It'll just be kind of funny. It'll be kind of funny moments of look back on right so get over the fear of like not wanting to get hit in the face three options of doing drills like I said of like keeping the player on the actual side of your net of on your side of the net so that when they're on the other side it looks like nothing working on the mental side of like thinking about it of like it won't actually be that bad and just kind of calming yourself down beforehand or you can actually just go get hit in the face by a volleyball so that is it for this week's volleyball growth coach podcast thank you guys for tuning in if you've made it to this point then you are obviously someone who wants to learn and wants to get better in the game of volleyball so that is a player that we are definitely looking for in the vgc growth environment so go to my link on instagram at volleyball growth coach on instagram click the link to apply and we will see you in the community to help you learn and get better and be the all-around player that you want to be. Other than that, share the show with a teammate or with a coach or with someone that you really think can benefit from a show like this that talks about volleyball and how to reach your next level. Very much appreciate you for listening and always grow together.